This is The Art Show by Teapot Cast with your host Milo H.G. Waters. Made with Zencaster, distributed by Anchor. For more information about this week's artist, check the description below. But now, sit back, pop the kettle on, and enjoy the conversation. Welcome, one and all. It is my pleasure to introduce Harry. Fantastic painter, theatre maker, artist extraordinaire. It is wonderful to have you. Please tell me, Harry, what is in your teapot? Hello! I have got a little homemade iced tea today with um, red berries and chamomile. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, that sounds delicious. Did you make it yourself then if it's homemade? Yes, I did. It's it's a it's a little hack that I do with um, upcycling plastic bottles. So if you've got a bottle of lemonade that you've brought from the shop, you can reuse that bottle to make your tea. Pop it in your freezer, um, and then take it out a few hours later, and you've got your little homemade iced tea. Fantastic. Right. So um, it's exciting times for you at the moment, right? Because you've just had um, an exhibition, right? Yeah, so it's still on. Um, I'm doing an exhibition called Antidote at Mam's Gallery in Swindon. Uh, We're on for the whole month until the end of June. Uh, Last night we had a really big event, uh, like an open evening with the artists, with live music and stuff. absolutely fabulous um i definitely needed my caffeine this morning though i'm very tired (laughs) (laughs) i'm sure um right so we've got a few of your pictures that are featured in the exhibition um that we're going to show on the podcast um so if i put it up um would you like to talk about this one first i believe uh did you say this was called the big bad Ah, yeah. Okay. The Big Bad. Um, this is, oh, it's huge. It's so beautiful. Um, the, the canvas is 100 by 120 centimetres. And it, it really swallows you when you you walk into a room and you see it. Like you really start to get lost in the image. It's, it's um, very immersive. So um, the, the collection that it's from is called The Expressionist Tales. So this is where painting became my little surrogate for theatre whilst it's been closed in lockdown. Uh, So I've taken stories and I've transformed them into visual art as a new Mm. means of storytelling. uh, As that's a big part of who I am as a theatre maker. Mm. Yeah, man. Um, So tell us a little bit about how, um, how you take uh, stories and transfer them into the, uh, into the painting. In fact, why don't you why don't you start off by telling us um, what the story is that you're telling here, and how you kind of went about <laughs> putting that story onto a canvas. <laughs> okay, um, so the big bad is based on a reoccurring nightmare that I used to have as a child. Um, I've heard it's a quite a common one, so a few people might relate to this. Where essentially I was Little Red Riding Hood. And I'd be running through the forest from the big bad wolf and the forest would start to morph and change into an everlasting labyrinth that 
it just felt that I could never get away from this wolf and it it just became lost in this ever-changing almost mechanical construct of nature um but it was terrifying for a childhood <laughs> it's very terrifying for someone <laughs> my age now anyway um but yeah over over the years I think you start to realize that we all have different things in our life that are the big bad that the things that are chasing us and that we lose ourselves in a labyrinth um, in regards to mental health, uh, emotional well-being, anxieties, and a whole complex web of what it is to be human in today's world. Um, and that really transcends um, into a whole multitude of, oh, I can't, uh, I'm struggling to articulate this thought, a whole multitude of chaos chaos in everyday life um yeah so the the, pro the process was a bit weird um I never know what I'm going to paint when I start so that's that's the biggest thing about my process um so I start with a large canvas and I laid it flat on the ground threw some black paint on it just in in a really random chaotic pattern by then picking up the canvas and tilting it into different directions, you create these running running drip lines that you're able to control. Almost like that little game that you had as a kid when you had the little ball bearing inside a maze and you'd like tilt that little maze around and you start to create a labyrinth. Um, so that's the first stage. <laughs> uh, and then I leave it to dry. Uh, and after it's dried, I stare at it for about a day. <laughs> I sit there with with, with my cup of tea, <laughs> um, and I just stare at this bizarre pattern um, for for a little while. And then I start to get it's it's a really subconscious feeling when you know what colours that you want to use in a, in a painting like this. And you just start to colour in some of the shapes and pick out tones. And it's almost like building architecture within the chaos that's already on the canvas. And slowly you start to think, OK, I can see this sort of landscape emerging. And you start to connect it to something very personal inside yourself on not always a conscious level immediately. But the moment it twigged that, oh my goodness, this is that dream, um, you then are able to start infusing more elements of that dream purposefully into the piece. So you start to find where the eyes of the lurking wolf would hide and the snarling jaws, uh, the, the natural places within the architecture that you've created where the teeth would start to protrude and hang down. Um, it's very, very chaotic. And it, it sounds absolutely bonkers. Somehow it works. <laughs> yeah. No, it makes a lot of sense. It, it really does. And uh, when, you, uh, when you said that, uh, you know, in your dream, the, the, the forest was changing and shifting, um, it really kind of like clicked there for me because... Um, it was like uh, when you like when you said it was it was based on our story. I was sort of trying to find like a like a kind of comic strip sort of flow to it. But now I realize like it is that 
because that journey is so uh, like so chaotic and so all over the place um and it's that that experience of running through a forest and just having you know things passing by like left and right kind of thing and being hounded by this this wolf i really do see it you see like bits of the teeth emerging and like you know some of the trees cropping out and this red flow of the i'm guessing that's the red hood um like just weaving in and out of it it's it's really beautiful and gosh i'd love to see it in person like i bet it's i bet it's really stunning um on that size as well grandma's house is hidden inside of there somewhere as well um but i won't tell you where and see if oh. it's like a where's wally book see if you can find grandma's house <laughs> um <laughs> yeah but there's just so many and even red riding hood like fragments of her face are hidden within the piece as well so you'll see areas where you start to see a mouth and lips and a different kind of eye emerging or the shape of a nose and things like this so it's it's all hidden within the within the single image and for me this style completely has come from my theatrical background because as a theatre maker, what I love is experiential and um, alternative storytelling. So when you have an audience go into the space and you present them with something that isn't A, B, C, D, you present them with a world that they then enter and discover a story themselves. That concept is translated into this new style of painting that I've been working with. So it's become my surrogate for theatres since, since they've been closed in COVID. <laughs> well yeah it's fantastic and uh yeah just even as you're talking then i could like I, I i'm looking at it now and i keep finding more stuff in there it's got that quality of like you can look at it for hours and just keep keep finding more stuff and i think that's fantastic um so yeah i mean um because you like were you painting before you started making theater or like did the two come together i'm just sort of interested in how how they kind of interact in your your practice like aside from being a bit of a surrogate so for me painting started as soon as i could probably pick up a paintbrush or not even a brush i even to this day i still paint with my hands and my fingers or and like my elbow comes out sometimes um <laughs> I, I really have been creating chaos from a very young age. I like to say I'm a creature of chaos. Um, I, I very much am proud of that <laughs> in my identity of who I am, as I'm this, yeah. this bundle of chaos that somehow finds structure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, and theatre as well for me came also from a very early age. Um, it's, it's all about storytelling art and theatre and music and dance for me it is all storytelling which is at the heart of who we are as humans and to be able to share your stories has a transcendent effect on the people around you whether it's how your story affects someone or how your story relates to something someone else is experiencing but they haven't been able to articulate or show that yet um yeah I, it's just a beautiful beautiful thing absolutely and yeah i think you're absolutely right there it is um you know it is so fundamental to who we are as as humans as people and how we make sense of life and how we connect to others and uh 
yeah that's brilliant um so let's uh let's jump back to the uh to the exhibition itself because uh you guys put on a bit of an event the other night didn't you yeah so um last night i've um we had a live music and painting showcase um we're still developing what this quite is exactly it's in the very early formative stages but a very good friend of mine um gary bamford he's a musician from the same town as me in swindon and he's worked with the theatre company that I'm an associate artist for in the past in composing music for our experiential shows. And I went to Gary and I picked up one of his albums and I sat in my art studio and I listened to his new album, The Year That Wasn't, um, and lost myself in the music and took my theatrical training and allowed my body to channel the sounds if that makes any sense at all. Um, anyone who yeah. might have been in a movement <laughs> class before um, may resonate with this. Um, the, the concept of transforming sound into movement, then allowing that movement to go from movement to painting. Um, it was a very, very rewarding process. And what came out of it was stunning. Um, yeah, that's. I believe you've got a picture of this one, um, the painting, the year that wasn't. Yeah, absolutely, we do. Um, yeah, and it's uh, it's gorgeous. Um, like I so. Um, yeah, I mean, I want I want you to tell me a bit about it, but um, sort of when I when I look at it, I. I can see a lot there. Like um, at first, I kind of get a bit of a landscape vibe from it because you've got this beautiful kind of like starry night sky towards uh the top in the left and right and i can vaguely see a moon there and i think uh we'll talk about your uh your night skies a bit later because i know that's something you uh you've been really into and had a lot of practice at um and uh yeah and this uh you know these wonderful textured blues at the bottom and in the middle you've got this um big red uh tree or perhaps even like a kind of hourglass i can see a bit of a, a kind of human form in there a little bit um but yeah it's it's got that brilliant mix that we saw in the last painting of kind of that balance between chaos and order and you can keep looking at it and keep finding more in it and you know i'm just starting to see kind of like reflections from the the top half in the bottom like but yeah enough enough of me rabbiting um <laughs> tell me about it like um yeah <laughs> so to to me um the beautiful thing about this piece is that it's abstract expressionism which means it's not about what i've presented to you on the canvas it's about what you find in it yourself so as much as i could sit here and i could tell you oh it's a, B, C, D, E, F, B. That to me isn't what is beautiful about this piece. What's beautiful about this piece is hearing what others see within the images. And it becomes almost a reflection of themselves. And people start to discover a little bit about their subconscious sometimes in the way that they see um, shapes and colors and tones and how everybody experiences colour and texture is so personal on your, your life experience, you know. Um, to some people, the colour red 
it's a color of passion to some people the color red is sportsmanship <laughs> you know it, it really it really depends on your background and where you're from um on how you read the piece so for me it's not about creating something specific it's about creating something to provoke um is that is the best way I can articulate that and again it's a piece that's not planned so it's it entirely came from Gary's music which inspired a, a project between the two of us so following painting this piece just away on my own in my studio in isolation in lockdown trying and not to absolutely <laughs> lose the plot um I had like a light bulb moment and I contacted Gary and I was like Gary look at what happened when I painted your music I think there's an idea here let's meet up let's make some music and make some art and try doing it at the same time so the concept of our project is symbiosis okay that's what we've that's what we've nicknamed it we've nicknamed it project symbiosis uh, yeah. <laughs> um, in, in which Gary creates music at the same time as I'm creating art and we allow the art to conduct the music and the music to conduct the art and there's this interchange between who is kind of in control of what element at what time because a sporadic change in the music can absolutely change the direction for painting but equally a specific color choice from myself can sporadically change the tone of the music and vice versa and at the moment it's a very explorative project um so we've only had a few sessions working together and as i said at the exhibition last night that was our first sort of public showing of this work um previously we'd done a a workshop together just for four hours to see what would happen and it was it was very funny actually because last night Gary had planned a set list from his amazing repertoire of music um, that he intended to play and I was going to paint based on his work. And Gary turned to me in the evening and he said, Harry, I don't want to play the, the set list. And I was like, okay. He was like, I had so much fun with what we was doing yesterday. Let's just improvise. Let's do the same thing. And I was, I was like, oh, are you sure? And he was, he said, yes, uh, this is what I want to do. This is, this is what I want to do. Let's create something new together. So instead of this pre-planned thing that we, we, we were going to do in, in the evening event, we ended up creating something entirely new together. And oh my goodness, I could not believe how many people could sit and watch for, for for so long to just to to sort of lose themselves in that moment because you think as a painter when you're off in your studio in your own little world you you don't imagine that that's something that people want to see you know you don't imagine that as a form of entertainment but then you add this incredible musician to it and the performance element, it just becomes so elevated. And the collaboration between the two of us is just so exciting. It's so early stages, but we're really hoping to go further with it. Um, yeah, it's an, it's an absolute joy. Sorry, I've gone off on a tangent. Where's me tea? <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. That's, I mean, that's really, really interesting, man. And, uh, 
yeah, it sounds like you've got a a really great partnership there. And it, it's interesting, like when you were uh, when you were talking about what it was like, kind of improvising that. Um, it kind of threw me back to uh, to movement lessons at drama school because uh, you know you'll remember this when you're when you're moving with someone and like sometimes you're leading, sometimes they're leading, and you get into that kind of flow where um it's kind of like neither of you are leading but you both are at the same time you just yeah you're just bouncing off each other and it's so so rewarding and uh just so satisfying in that moment and uh yeah I think uh I think it's great that you've got um that performance background that you can bring um you know your your artwork into a a live environment and paint live with it 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 sounds fantastic and i i can totally understand why people would be enthralled just uh you know just sitting down and watching that um so yeah that's really bloody fascinating mate fantastic um so if i can avoid bumping my microphone um there we go um so <laughs> and it's an yeah we've got joy yeah. you know it's it's an absolute mm. joy to create yeah it's so yeah it is so euphoric isn't it when you get into those those partnerships where it's just it's just flowing it's just happening and the art is just coming out and it's not planned and uh yeah really great stuff um so we've also got a couple of portraits here that you've done um so yeah i'm not going to say anything um would you like to tell us about these a little bit <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm going to blow your mind now when I say to you that the the face that you see in this image is not the portrait. So the portrait is what's behind okay. the lined drawing of the face. Okay. Okay. So the concept behind this really is about what's beyond what we see. Um, in the sense that we as human beings are this elaborate, complex web of synapses and electricity and feelings and emotions and history and stories and everything that makes us who we are is so far beyond what is seen in, in, our, in, our, in our shape. And everything that we are transcends the shape of what people see. And, and that's part of what I really wanted to capture in this collection. Um, the collection's called Disordered, uh, as in disordered thoughts, disordered life. Everything's out of order. Everything's chaotic. Everything is disordered, <laughs> you know? Um, but also the parallel that it draws there naturally with emotional health and mental well-being um which is a really important thing and it's it's very personal to me as well as it is to a lot of people i think anyone who's experienced um some form of mental emotional health or uh a oh i've forgotten what the word is <laughs> um or a <laughs> A different experience of life, you know, how we perceive things differently because of things that have happened to us in our past and how we see the world is a reflection of of everything that is so much more than the shape of what we are. Um, 
which is both beautiful and tragic at the same time. Um, the collection sort of, it taps into a lot of my own experiences with depression and anxiety. And more specifically is I have this uh, bizarre condition that's a condition that's not really a condition, but it is a condition. It's just a bit confusing because it's quite new in the, the medical community. Um, so I have a, a condition called non-epileptic attack disorder, which presents itself to the people around me as if I'm having epileptic seizures. But the, the main difference is that it's not an electrical process in my brain that's causing it. It's something that's more sensory um, and or based on something very emotional and deep set. You can't put your fingers on necessarily, you know, you can't. You can't pinpoint what the root cause of these things are because they're very deep within your your mental well-being um, and your history. And there's so many people with this condition, and it's 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 a really difficult day-to-day -day life and a, a drastic change to how you live. You know, as 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 it is with many people with different conditions and things. For example, you you go for a walk down the street not knowing if you're going to fall unconscious. And then you have that concern of, and that anxiety of, is it safe for me to walk down the street today? You know, is it safe for me to leave the house? And you've got no way of knowing that. So, so every day when you, when you have the courage to, to push yourself into continuing life as it was before you had your condition, the whole complicated web of anxiety and, um, and and just the uh, the emotional the emotional weight of it um is incredibly difficult and that's that sensation is is something that i've tried to capture in in these images as well so that that sensation and that experience and that, that those feelings through abstract expressionism i've tried to capture into the canvas beyond the faces in the, in the, in the series. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I think, I think you've done it beautifully um, as well, to be honest. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at it now and what I, what I love about the, uh, the synapses is um, there's, there's so much, I guess, depth to them. Like, um, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't look like one, sort of layer of um of white synapse of webbing or whatever sort of like you just just laid on the page like you look at it and it's it feels like you can just go deeper and deeper and deeper into it um like you know there are there are ones sort of like very close to you and ones further away and this sort of blackness behind just poking through here and there and yeah i think it it really does kind of convey that that like deep chaos um you know sort of all around that's uh yeah that i'm I'm sure a, a lot of people will will be able to relate to and again it's got that quality of your other works that you can just look at it and keep looking at it but in a in a slightly different way it feels like it's really not like the first one where i was i was sort of finding like 
or the little little bits little moments um that were drawing me in it's like i'm i'm looking at it and it feels like the whole thing is kind of pulling me in into this depth of um you know this chaotic web like i'm just like i'm like i'm falling into a um a spider's cave or something and there's just all this crazy chaos webbing around me like um but yeah it's uh yeah it's really gorgeous man um so we've got um there's so painting. much paint on those ones <laughs> yeah i can i can tell <laughs> i can tell um out of out of interest uh yeah if we just sort of divert for a bit what kind of uh what kind of paints do you like to use um do you have a preferred sort of like i'm guessing these are all acrylics he says with very little knowledge of painting <laughs> I, I'm not really one. So I, I didn't have um, like higher education, formal training in art. OK, so I don't have a huge knowledge base. I just throw things and try things out and experiment. So I, I know there's probably quite a few artists out there that when I tell them what I use, they're going to go. Ah! <laughs> Why? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sure I probably break a lot of the. Um, a lot of the, the 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 rules of how materials work because I don't really know what's going on. I just make things. Um, <laughs> so like with these, um, this disordered collection. Um, yeah, with the disordered collection, you've got everything in there from oils, um, house emulsion, outdoor masonry paint. Um, acrylics, all sorts of concoctions. I'm like a little alchemist in my studio. I get all my jars from like when you've got like a jar of pickles or you've got a jar of um, uh, tomato sauce, that sort of thing. I keep all my jars <laughs> and I like an alchemist to mix all of these paints up in my studio and I get a big stick and I mix them all around and and until I get like the right consistency or the colours or something that int intrigues me, I end up with all these jars <laughs> lined up in my back garden, and I pop the canvas outside. So with the disordered project, I use like a dripping technique. So I'll take something like a paint, the the back of a paintbrush, and I'll dip it into the paint. And then as you bring it out fast, it creates like these long streams of paint. And when you get the right consistency, it just goes like string. Like you said earlier about a spider's web, it, it just beads out like silk. If your consistencies are a little heavier, you get like blobbing. So instead of a, a, a blue, <laughs> you, you get like spats come out, which has its own effect and is very interesting to me that texture into the into the piece whereas something like the big bad that painting started with a acrylic base um the tipping technique that i mentioned earlier that was with a emulsion house paint <laughs> you know if you've got tins of paint down the shed don't leave them in the shed you can make something beautiful with it okay um it it doesn't matter but it's your nan's old bedroom wall color it, it doesn't matter um <laughs> you can do something beautiful with it uh and charcoals 
and charcoals. I'm a big fan of charcoals. So after that dried, I worked into it with charcoals and then the color was the last thing for me to add. Um, there's one other thing that I use that I love. Um, you might have heard of it. Have you heard of um, Stuart Samples Black 3.0? Uh, no, not at all. Tell me. No? Okay. So there's a big drama no, no. in in the um in the art industry. Yeah. There's there's a Ooh, really big drama. I love a bit um, of art controversy. One artist. Yeah. One artist um obtained the rights to a, a particular paint called Vanta Black. Um and Vanta Black was a black paint that absorbs such a high quality of light that when you look at it it almost looks like a black hole. And you try to capture photos and the photos cannot capture how how absorbent this pigment is. It's like absolutely insane and gorgeous. But one artist named Anish Kaur obtained the sole rights to use this colour, um, which made a lot of other artists very unhappy. Um, they, there's a lot of people out there that don't believe there should be ownership of a colour. Um, yeah, yeah. So there's a, another artist called Stuart Simple. Sample? Sample? I think it's Stuart Sample. You're going to have to double check on that one. I'm really bad with name pronunciations. <laughs> um, but yeah, Stuart decided that no one should have primate, like just ownership of a colour. So he created the world's pinkest pink. Um, and he put it on sale in the arts community. Anyone could use this amazing world's pinkest pink, except for Anish Kapoor. So you actually have to sign um, <laughs> a thing to say, I am not Anish Kapoor. I am not affiliated with Anish Kapoor, and I will not be giving this product to <laughs> Anish Kapoor. Um, it was kind of like his retaliation. And that led him into... Um, exploring rich pigment paints which most recently um the the black version of is called black 3.0 and i love this paint so much it has such an emotive effect because the amount of light that it absorbs it is insane and it's it's only when you see it in person that you'll you'll really understand but it really hits something very guttural and um deep inside of you to see this this void and this absence of light and color that that you hadn't observed before you know not even when you look at the night sky there's there there seems to be more light <laughs> in that shade of black yeah. than there is in this in this paint and the the pigment is just stunning so whenever i'm working on a very emotional guttural piece i like to throw a bit of that in there um very selectively though I'm, I'm very selective with how i use it but there's a, a lot of incredible art artists yeah. out there using this paint and it's it's just stunning you should google it it's great it's amazing yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no that that is fantastic that's really interesting and uh yeah personally i don't see how anyone can copyright a color that seems a little bit ludicrous to me um but yeah, and uh, and as for your process, that uh, and the paint you use, like that, I totally get that from knowing you. Like, <laughs> I wouldn't expect anything less from you know the themes of chaos throughout your work <laughs> than that kind of chaotic, just grabbing paints. I can definitely see you as kind of 
bad alchemist in your in your lab studio mixing it all up. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, the the last photo from the ex uh, the last photo the last painting from the exhibition uh, that we've got to talk about is uh, this wonderful nude. Um, so again, I'm I'm not going to say anything. Like just take us away. Let like let us into this thing. <laughs> Um, okay, so this piece started um, my exploration into painting and drawing nudes. Um, it's it's part of a collection called the Raw Armory, which is all about the raw female power of our of the of the blah 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 blah. blah. <laughs> Sorry, I got tongue tied. <laughs> Oh, it's no worries, mate. The amount of times I've misspoke on this. <laughs> Should we start that again? <laughs> Deep breath. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Take two. Sam. <laughs> Go on, have a sip of your tea. And... Uh... <laughs> And <laughs> give it another bash. Um, <laughs> do you want to go from your question? <laughs> Is that okay? Go on. Um. So I mean, yeah. I mean, I phrased that question <laughs> dreadfully as well. Um. So I'll I'll have another go at the question. You have another go at the answer. Um. So yeah, we've got this beautiful nude. Um. From the Raw Armory collection and. Yeah, I'd just like you to tell us about it, tell us where it came from, how you produced it. Um, and yeah, I, I don't want to say anything and give any preconceptions, so just take us away on this. <laughs> um, okay, so following the chat about materials and stuff we've just had, um, this piece is on canvas and it's initially drawn in charcoal and then painted in acrylics. Um, and then I've used charcoal again in layers overneath, over the top to add tones and all sorts of magical things. Um, but the really eye-catching part of this painting you'll see is in, in the material aspect is um, gold leaf. So this nude is gilded with golden stretch marks across her body and they are absolutely stunning. Um, there's this really old tradition in Japan mm -hmm. where they take broken pottery and they repair it with gold. And I took this idea and I encompassed that with my personal struggles with my body and my image. Like many humans, uh, men, women, non-gender conforming people, and many of us out there we have a very complicated relationship with the form of our bodies. And it's very often that growth in our body can present itself as something we perceive to be ugly, like stretch marks. As a teenager, I hit puberty and I erupted in stretch marks. I went from teeny, teeny, tiny Harry to... I was suddenly like five foot nine, overpowering everyone in my family. I just, I like exploded. Um, 
and the the aftermath of that was these horrible what I perceived to be at the time horrible stretch marks like scars that had stretched through my skin as as my body had like ruptured into its new shape and for years I hated these marks so much they they would control the clothing I would wear to make sure that they couldn't be seen I felt like I had to hide them they felt ugly they felt they felt like they weren't mine. It, it didn't feel like that was part of me. And that's a terrifying thing. And when you're going through puberty and your body is changing so much, but to, to have these scars emerge all over your body, and it happens it happens to everyone. I, I understand that this happens to everyone across gender. Um, but I personally, I don't know the, the, the intimate side of a man's relationship with that. But what I do know is a woman's relationship with it as as a woman myself. So that's what I've tried to tell is is my personal story there with with my battle with my body and my mental mental attitude towards my image. And this idea of the um, gold inlaid pottery is for me capturing the idea of something that we think is broken and damaged or wrong in some way actually it it just takes the right turn of thought for that to turn to gold and to go from something that we fear to something that is so beautiful and that we're so proud of that's 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 what we've survived you know that's 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 what we've become I've got um dear friends that resonate with this in regards to um, personal experiences of self-harm and the scars that they continue to have into their adult day, that actually they're marks of survival, they're marks of how far that someone has fought and how, how far they've got through their battle. And these things in our body that we feel a need to hide, it, it's, it's like we're hiding part of who we are from the world and and that resonates with me on so many levels it, it goes into the world of um uh queer identity and coming out and this idea of not being able to present who you are and and not being able to this idea of having to hide so much about yourself um yeah oh on that note happy pride month everyone oh <laughs> Happy Pride Month! Yeah, actually. Happy Pride Month. <laughs> um, <thank you. laughs> Happy Pride Month to all my fellow rainbows. I love you, <laughs> and to all the fellow rainbows that have not yet been able to share their rainbow. I love you too, and, and time will come. <laughs> um, it's it's, it's a very big thing. Um, yeah, it's it's a very big thing deciding when to show your rainbow, you know, and it translates that the the concept all binds together. Um, it all, yeah. Sorry, I went off on another tangent. Okay, hey, <laughs> I start talking no, about not at all. And not it's at so all. hard to stop. No, yeah, I, I didn't so want to interrupt to you because I can, but yeah, you know, I with can this, tell with this... how strongly you're connected to it. 
but yeah with with this painting in particular it's a celebration of the things that we feel must be hidden are actually the things that are beautiful about us like my mother is a great inspiration of mine um Janet and she has um she has a cesarean scar um that for years she hated and actually when she could start to talk to me about it she discovered a love for it because she realized that me and my brother we are growing into adults and we're not those we're not the little babies anymore you know but we always will be her babies and she always has this <laughs> this very permanent reminder of her babies on her body the cesarean mark has become a, a tribute to her children in such a beautiful way and that's how she now sees that on her body which I think is such a beautiful thing um which has also inspired a few more pieces in this collection as well um but yeah it's it's positivity not not just positivity but pride you know pride of all those things that we feel should mm. be hidden that celebrate the beauty of it um because nothing should be hidden we shouldn't hide you shouldn't have to hide anything be who the freaking heck you are and celebrate that person you know and celebrate it and those things that you find hard to love about yourself you need to love those things even more those those things in you need that love and they need that that protection you know it's like yeah there's lead with love lead with love as, as one of my favorite directors that I've worked with um Andrew McPherson um, that I worked with at 15. Uh, he was my director for the sh uh, show The Fog, which we actually used some of my space paintings in the set for. Um, he always used to say to the company, lead with love. And it's really stuck with me as a, as a, as a really great mantra. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that is a great mantra. And yeah, so, just such a brilliant uh, message for that whole collection and uh yeah something i think we can we can all relate to i mean you know we have you know we all have things about ourselves that we you know sometimes we want to hide or we're not sure how we feel about them and yeah i think it is really good to to like you say take pride in them the the one i always uh the quote i always think about um I can't, no i can't remember uh where it's from but it's something like uh uh when we get to heaven we'll be judged by our scars not our medals and i think that is so important because to me that kind of means like it's you know it's not about what you what you put on top of yourself kind of thing and how you decorate yourself it is about um who you are and wear your scars with pride because like you say they've made you into the person that you are today and that's that's beautiful and you know we are all unique people and i think you show that off um just fantastically in this this collection so yeah that's great and thank you so much for talking there's about a lot it well. of buns um, in this collection too <laughs> well we all love a good bomb so <laughs> there's a lot of buns yeah <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, we're uh, we're coming up to time. Um, you did just mention your space paintings, and um, I have one of them here, and I really want to talk about these because they are just gorgeous. So please, just 
tell us how how you go about creating these space paintings and uh you know sort of why where they came from and yeah if we've got chance i'd love to hear a bit about um incorporating them into into shows and things but uh, yeah i'll let you take it away i mean who doesn't love space <laughs> is is you know to be able to sit down in your garden lie down on the grass and whatever and just look at the beauty that is the freaking sky like it is stunning it is chaos it is creation it is immersive as heck and so transcendent transcendent and for a lot of people, it was also very spiritual. You know, I always had this thing um, from a kid that when I lose someone, they become a star in the sky. Um, and it it's become a little bit of one of my um, reflections on people when I lose them. And I always look to the sky and I, it sounds a bit cheesy. I understand that. But it's just such a beautiful thing to project a memory of someone into something so, so epic. And that's always there, you know, it's there's just this very beautiful thing about that. Um, so I've always had a very deep connection with stars and space and spirituality. I wanted to be an astronaut at one point as a kid, but I was really bad at maths. Um, you didn't. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but I was really bad at math so I didn't think I'd be a very good astronaut um, but I thought I'd be really good at the jumping part uh, <laughs> I, think, I think that's the main thing I wanted to do I just kind of wanted to go moonwalking um, and, and, and draw the stars you know <laughs> but yeah so yeah. these ones start with just a canvas and I coat them in black acrylic um, and then I use a technique called brush tapping, which is where you get a paintbrush. This isn't a paintbrush, but it will do. You get a paintbrush and you get a stick and you tap your brush. And it makes this really nice, like ASMR tapping sound. It's really rewarding. Um, oh, okay. So you'll tap your brush with a loose acrylic oh, on the end yeah. and you get this beautiful, chaotic um, batter of tiny little dots. Um, and that's the starting point. So, so my black, big black canvases end up covered in just tiny little specks of white. Um, I then just choose a color randomly. I'll go, oh, today feels like a blue day. I want blue. So I'd go and choose me blues. And, I, and I'd sit there with my canvas or up on my easel. And I'd use my hands and sponges and cloths. And I'd start to create these nebula-like clouds of colour and one colour leads into another leads into another and all of a sudden this this galactic vision of chaos just starts to grow again I've got no idea what it's going to look like when I start um it's it's just about kind of trusting your gut and going with it um so after creating these like Gas, gas, gaseous, gaseous, gay, gassy clouds. Oh, <laughs> these, ga these gas like clouds. Um, 
but working with lots of blending and layers. And then every single one of those white dots was there gets worked into by hand. Um, so that's the really long process. So I go back to find where all those pinpoints landed and I use different layers of paint and blending techniques. Um, and you get about five layers in each of the stars on the canvas, um, which is, when you see the size of the canvases, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> um, so it becomes a very much a, a piece of meditation. Um, yeah, it, it becomes very much a piece of meditation. And yeah, and I just keep layering and layering and layering and eventually I'll go, yeah, it's, it's, it's done. <laughs> they can take anything from sort of 20 <laughs> to 50 hours. God, Bennett. Well, yeah, I mean, and it shows. It really does show. Like, they are gorgeous. And again, that quality, if you can just look at them and just keep staring at them, finding more and more things to look at there. Um, yeah, really fantastic, man. I want one on my wall, to be honest. <laughs> but um, yeah, tell us a little bit about... Um... Well, look, I do want a commission. <laughs> hey, I'm a bit skint at the moment, so <laughs> when when the podcast gets monetized and uh, I start making Joe Rogan books, like, <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, so just well, before I've got a few prints um, on hand as well. Ah, oh, hey. <laughs> um, but yeah, just before we finish up, um, oh, the lag, these the have been lag. used in. Yeah, in it the lag. <laughs> so, uh, tell me a bit about how they ended up in some shows that you've done. Oh, okay. So the director that I previously mentioned, um, Andrew, who is just an incredible human being. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah, we were working on a project called and I showed Andrew some of my artwork and then I had a little chat with Carlos who was our in-house designer and I showed him the work and Carlos also got really excited and because with my um, large space paintings I have some amazing high resolution and we were actually able to project these incredible photographs and artwork into the Caesar space and it, it projected and it crossed the whole stage um, and it kind of fills the space with space. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <funny sentence>. um, <laughs> yeah. Um, it's stunning. It was absolutely stunning to see it on that size, you know, to, to see my artwork in that scale was absolutely bonkers and to have that support from fellow creatives that were excited about my work as well that was really humbling for me um and it 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 gave me so much confidence in what I do to see that other creatives value the work as well um because a lot of artists we all we all kind of just worry that no one's gonna like our pictures we're like oh they're gonna just think yeah. we've been cleaning our rooms and we've made a mess and you know um it's 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 an amazing thing to have someone recognize your work and be like wow that's that's something 
Um, it's, it's really humbling. And it was just incredible to see it used in the set design. And then um, a, sec a show following that, um, because of the projections and stuff and the relationship I built with the in-house designer um, in regards to creative design for theatre, um, I ended up performing in a show called Our Town, directed by Monse Gilly. And, um, <laughs> and I spent a lot of the time of the play drawing the map of the town. So, so we turned the okay. back wall of the theatre into okay. a massive chalkboard. And our town is sat in a little little American town. It's a really old traditional play. And and I spent the whole show drawing in front of the audience this gigantic chalk map of of the um of of the town. It was bonkers. It was a really amazing way to integrate once again my art with my theatre life. Um and for me, the two lives coexist. I call myself, I call myself an actor artist, um, like you get actor musicians. You know, I've I've got a lot of very talented yeah. friends that are <laughs> actor musicians, and um, yeah, as you know, with East Fifteen, they really foster that that creative cross collaboration of work. Um, yeah, definitely. Well, yeah, that's that's fantastic. And uh, we're coming up to time. So I think that is a brilliant place to end on. Um, but it's been fantastic talking to you, Harry. Uh, really insightful and great to see your work. And uh, the exhibition's still on, isn't it? Do you want to just uh, remind everyone where they can where they can catch it? Yeah, um, so we're still on until the end of the month, so up until the end of July. Um, it's at Mam's Gallery on Escot Hill in Swindon, which is a fantastic place. Um, you can just pop online. They've got an amazing website um, and a good social media presence as well. Um, the exhibition is called Antidote. So all the work featured is about the healing and cathartic power of artwork. Uh, we've got a few more live events happening, so keep an eye on social media for posts on that one. And uh, look out for Project uh, Symbiosis with, with Harry and Gary Bamford, because um, we're hoping to get that ball rolling soon as well. Awesome. All right. Well, yeah, we'll leave it there, dude. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Bye. <laughs>